Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Eastern Airlines Radio Show's Thursday broadcast of the Repo Radio Hour, brought to you by the Eastern Airlines Radio Show and the Retired Eastern Pilots Association. During this hour, we share stories and memories of the pilots who flew the planes of the Garrett Aviation, Eastern Air Transport, and Eastern Airlines. My name is Neil Holland, the retired Eastern captain and producer of the show. We hope you will enjoy these stories we bring to you every Thursday. Tell your friends and listen in and hope you will join in the conversation during the broadcast. Now let's get the show in the air. Reaper 17, you're cleared to start engines. Hey, Seven vacations, how little they cost, how much they offer. When you need the sun, there's only one Easter. When you need the sun, there's only one. Don, before you get started, I want to uh, remind folks that uh, recently we had uh, one of the country's most familiar artists dying, Charlie Daniels, a singer, songwriter, band leader, and player of many instruments, and died Monday. This past Monday or Monday before last, I'm not sure. I think it was June the sixth, uh, July sixth, in Nashville, Tennessee. His death was confirmed confirmed by his publisher, who said that he had died of a stroke. He was 83 years old. Now I'd like to play this song, dedicated to uh, the remembrance of uh, Charlie Daniels, who entertained folks uh, so well over the years. And I'm sure you'll recognize this song. Let's strike up the band Charlie Daniels. The devil went down to Georgia. He was looking for a soul to steal. He was in a bind because he was way behind and he was willing to make a deal. When he came across this young man sewing on a fiddle and playing it hot, and the devil jumped up on a hickory stump and said, Boy, let me tell you what. I guess you didn't know it, but I'm a fiddle player too. And if you'd care to take a dare, I'll make a bet with you. 
Now you play pretty good fiddle, boy, but give the devil his due. I bet a fiddle of gold against your soul, because I think I'm better than you. The boy said, my name's Johnny, and it might be a sin, but I'll take your bet you're going to regret, because I'm the best as ever been. Johnny, rosin up your bow and play your fiddle hard, because hell broke loose in Georgia and the devil deals the cards. And if you win, you get this shiny fiddle made of gold, but if you lose, the devil gets your soul. up his case and he said I'll start this show and fire flew from his fingertips as he rolled up his bow and he pulled the bow across the strings and it made an evil hiss and then a band of demons joined in and it sounded something like this Johnny said, well, you're pretty good, old son, but sit down in that chair right there and let me show you how it's done. Fire on the mountain, run, boys, run. The devil's in the house of the rising sun. Chicken in the bread pan, picking out dough. Granny, let your dog back, no child, no. bowed his head because he knew that he'd been beat and he laid that golden fiddle on the ground at Johnny's feet. Johnny said, devil just come on back if you ever want to try again. I done told you once you son of a bitch I'm the best as ever been. He played fire on the mountain run boys run. Devil's in the house of the rising sun. The chicken in the bread pan picking out dough. Granny we a dog fight no child no. Another comment about Charlie Daniels. He was born October 28, 1936 in Wilmington, North Carolina. He started out playing bluegrass locally with the Misty Mountain Boys before moving to Nashville in 1967. And he was already becoming known as a songwriter as well. He wrote an Elvis Presley song, It Hurts Me, in 1964. So that's our remembrance of Charlie Daniels. You guys remember him also. I'm going to open all the microphones right now i've got them all closed down for some reason because i want don to start our show off don uh is your microphone open and ready to go go ahead don uh, i hope so neil that was a hard act to follow but i'll try <laughs> for sure uh, i have done that song many times that's another wow. story all right our stories t- today range from the sounds you just heard not Charlie Daniels, but other sounds, are better stated from the male wings to the Lockheed L-1011, a.k.a. the Whisper Liner. We'd like to tell all our first-time listeners, uh, you can listen in with your smartphone or go to our radio show provider at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash Captain Eddie at 3 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time on the start arrow. Remember, it must be at 3 p.m. where you'll be given the message that the show has not yet begun. Many just call in the show at 213-816-1611. This will put you on the producer's board, and all you have to do is to share your comments or join in on discussion is to touch the number one key on your smartphone's keyboard. That will tell the producer to unmute your your phone's microphone 
Then just join in the fun. Now you can choose to listen or talk to one of the hosts. Uh, Captain Mike Scott, you're up there in Long Island. Uh, can you give us a little preview of what we did last week, Mike? Sure, Don. Thanks. Uh, our last episode, 16, we shared repetitive stories about memories of two Pioneer pilots with the Eastern, Captain Howard Went and Captain Fred Davis. Both pilots started with Eastern Air Transport by flying the mail, mostly at night without any navigational aids uh, that for pilots they enjoy today. Their aircraft, the Pitcairn Mailwing, an all-fabric biplane, was what was used. Fred Davis, seniority number 37, on the 1942 pilot seniority list, his date of hire was February 1933. The retired Eastern Pilots Association magazine, Reaper T, carried favorite a favorite category of pilots enjoyed called uh, contributed to the Reed uh, and Nostalgic Corner. Uh, it was an idea uh, by editor Captain Rollo Owens, who thought it might be fun to read just to let the retired pilots tell stories about their remembrances and experience flying for Eastern Airlines. This is where most of the material we use on the show comes from. We can enjoy these stories written by the men and women of Eastern Airlines with us each week. These stories are written by the pilots who flew the planes of Pitcairn Aviation, Eastern Air Transport, Eastern Airlines, printed in uh, Reaper T and other publications. Uh, today we share more of the hangar talk uh, of Nostalgia Corner of Memories of Question Mark is uh, going to be one of the uh, topics that the host is going to read today or the producer. Mr. Producer, can you tell us another great story featured in the category of Nostalgia Corner? You bet, Mike. Uh, Chuck is not with us today, but uh, let's go right into clip number one, and I think you'll enjoy uh, a story that was written, and I could not find the contributor of this story, but obviously he was a male wing pilot as well. But it dates way back during the Pitcairn and Eastern Air Transport days. Here we go, a story about Hugh Dubose, Captain Hugh Dubose. Another great story in the 1978 issue of Repartee under the category of Nostalgia Corner reads, During the winter of 1940, I was flying a DC-3 trip with Hugh Dubose. We came out of Richmond, southbound under a 300-foot ceiling, visibility about two miles, and a light but steady rain falling. It was altogether a lousy day. We broke ground and had climbed to about 800 feet, and Hugh was flying and I was working the radio. As the rain increased and the moisture content of the air reached a point where we would expect to start picking up carburetor ice, Hugh, without a word to me, began to apply heat to the carburetors. Suddenly, and without the slightest warning that I could discern, Hugh yelled at me to tell Richmond that we were returning. By the time I made the call, he ordered Hugh. He ordered uh, Hugh had gotten under that layer of clouds and landed. I have never seen a man operate as rapidly and with such precision. I did not have the foggiest idea of what the problem was or why we were returning. Hugh's face was as white as ashes. What in the hell is the problem, Hugh? Why are we coming back into Richmond? I felt that I needed to have some inkling of the problem that was, to my mind, very obscure. Wait until I talk to the mechanic. Hugh was pretty uncommunicative. But uh, after we had parked at the ramp, the Richmond station personnel dug up a mechanic from the local operator. Hugh and the mechanic then engaged in a long conversation, only some of which I was able to overhear. It developed that as Hugh had applied the carburetor heat, the engines had begun to run rough. Just why this triggered such a strong reaction from Hugh was not obvious to me. I had not even noticed the roughness. The mechanic removed the cowling and the left engine on the left engine and probed around the innards of the engine and finally came into operations where Hugh and I had been waiting. Well, I found your problem. 
it's a damn good thing that you got that thing on the ground without any more delay. The mechanic had a pretty serious expression. A hole had turned through, had burned through the intensifier tube, and the exhaust had burned a hole through the intake manifold. Now, to explain all of this to the more uninformed in order to get warm air to the carburetor, a jacket was formed around the exhaust pipe. And a flow of air caused by the forward motion of the plane flowed through this jacket and was then available to be metered into the carburetor to remove ice which might form within. When the inner portion of this arrangement had this arrangement had burned through, it allowed raw exhaust gas to be introduced into the carburetors. The failure had further extended itself through the second layer of the jacket and had begun to burn through the aluminum intake. Had real hot exhaust gas been allowed to mix with the raw fuel mixture going into the engine, a fire would have resulted it was only Hughes' instantaneous reaction which had forestalled this result. I will never know from what well of knowledge Hugh dredged the instant awareness of the seriousness of our situation. I will, however, forever be thankful that in that particular situation the well had not run dry. This would be a logical and reason, reasonable place to stop this story, but the hero had saved the day, and the uh, the Tyro had been fully impressed. Uh, alas, alas, to uh, anyone who knows Hugh Dubose, a story concerning him could never end on such an obvious note. After getting the information from the mechanic, Hugh then contacted LaGuardia Dispatch and informed them of the situation. The decision was made to send a company mechanic down from Washington on the next flight with the parts necessary to effect the necessary repairs. We would continue our flight on the plane that was coming up from Atlanta, and the flight from Atlanta would use our plane when the repairs were completed. It could get in with our airplane. All we had to do was wait until Captain Pat Prince could get in touch with our airplane and we would head south. After a long wait, we heard the northbound flight call in and report 25 miles south of the airport. All we had to do was make an approach. All that we had to do was make an approach with minimum conditions and our problems would be over. Now, at the Richmond Airport, there's a railroad track running along the south border of the field, and the range station was located about a mile south of the airport, and the approach into the north runway was over these tracks. While we were waiting for Pat Prince to come in, a heavy mini-wheel locomotive drew up to a stop right at the end of the runway, and the train crew could be seen watching the activities at the airport with considerable interest. Then for no reason that any of us determined, the engineer of that locomotive pulled down on the white whistle cord and filled the air with the tremendous sound of a railroad whistle. The whistle, being a steam type, emitted large quantities of steam, which dr drifted over the field, lowering the ceiling to about zero. The whistle continued its piercing sound for several minutes, and when it was finally stopped, the sound of a DC-3 making a missed approach could be heard. We called Pat in the ra on the radio and explained the situation to him, and he agreed to make another approach. Hugh, as mad as I have ever seen a man, stormed out of the door. With purposeful strides, almost as at a trot, Hugh walked to the edge of the field, climbed the fence, and approached the locomotive. When he got within earshot, he blistered the air with the damnedest tirade I have ever heard. He called the engineer every kind of idiot known to man. He reflected on his ancestry, his program, his, his, uh, program, his family, his looks, 
uh, his intellect, his morals, his ethics, and as he finished, he shook his fist up at the locomotive and stormed back in the direction of the terminal. <laughs> the engineer sort of sat there in stunned disbelief. Then, when he finally recovered from his shock and the natural resentment set in, he really tore the air with his whistle. He played every aria known to the Metropolitan Opera Company. He played marches, foxtrots, Virginia reels, and dirges. He literally painted the Richmond sky with the sound of his whistle. And the steam once again drifted over the field, closing it just as Pat Prince crossed the fence on his second and again frustrated attempt to bring us his airplane. I will not risk shocking our readers with the recounting of Hugh DuBose's remarks at this point. Oh, how I wish I could have taped that. No recounting the ability, no recounting the ability of Hugh DuBose to get his point across verbally would be complete would, unless this little incident was included in the account. Any co-pilot flying with Hugh found out before much of a trip was completed that Hugh, and only Hugh, was the captain. Not that he was an abusive or unfair man to share a cockpit with. Very much on the contrary. Not only was Hugh a pilot of remarkable ability, he was also a captain who set, who set his standards and not only demanded that they be met, he could, if called upon, demonstrate how they should be met. He left no doubt as to the identity of the man in command. Hugh, during our stretch of flying, had assigned to him a co-pilot, a pilot named Roscoe Brenton. Now, Roscoe was a fine pilot, very good company, and a thoroughly delightful man to associate with. He was also quite musical, being blessed with a pleasing singing voice and a habit of either singing or whistling as he flew along. On this particular day, not having flown with Hugh previously and thus not being forewarned about proper decorum in Hugh's cockpit, Roscoe was singing softly, occasionally switching over to a low whistle, then back to singing again. And after a few minutes of this, Hugh leaned over to Roscoe, gave a serious look and asked, Roscoe, do you have a copy of the contract with you? The document he referred to was the working agreement between the Airline Pilots Association representing the pilots on Eastern Airlines. It is the Bible of airline working conditions. Why, yes, I think I do, answered Roscoe. With that, he began digging into his flight, flight bag, and in a moment he drew the bound copy of the contract into view. Roscoe said, Hugh, Look up in the contract and see if you can find anything in there that says I have to listen to that noise you are making. Roscoe quickly got the point, and he, the musical portion of the flight was promptly terminated. George, that's it. Well, folks. All right. Well, folks, you don't hear stories like the one Neil just read. In today's world of jet aircraft, there were so many things to consider in flying aircraft with cylinders, pistons, spark plugs, and carburetors that we called the principles of the piston engines, quote, suck, squeeze, bang, and blow, unquote. Well, better stated, suck in the fuel and air, then squeeze it with the pistons, then explode it with the spark, spark plugs, plus, and blow out the exhaust pipes. Actually, that same principle can be applied to jet engines that have fewer working parts and no carburetors, and thus there's no carburetor heat necessary. Don? Mm. Nor do we hear stories like the locomotive train stopping to watch the planes take off and land, not, not knowing that just a little disturbance of the air by a whistle uh, and extra warm air of uh, stream of air under certain conditions will create instant fog 
that would be enough to make a captain get up and run out to create his own steam at the train's engineer. I can easily visualize that the scene of frustration, I too might have been so inclined, inclined to make a similar gesture by just using my hand signal. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, our okay. producer recently came across another interesting letter that was written to the Eastern family. Mr. Producer Neal, would you read us what that letter says and who wrote it? Uh, sure will, George. And uh, it's uh, an old, old, old letter. And we'll let this uh, uh, letter explain the ne why it was necessary to write and send to all Eastern people. If I can find the letter. Here it is. Let me rip it open. And here it goes. The late Admiral John Ingle, also an Eastern Air Transport employee, Eastern Airlines employee, uh, from 1932, started to work and put in 41 years of service with Eastern, and also retired Navy Admiral. Uh, John gave me a book, From the Captain to the Colonel, of which I had two, and uh, didn't open the one that he gave me for a long, long time, as a matter of fact, just recently. And out fell a letter. This letterhead was from Eastern Airlines, Eastern Airlines Building, 10 Rockefeller Plaza, New York 20, New York. Golly, the zip code, only two digits. It's dated September, or December the 16th, 1952, and it reads, To the share owners of Eastern Airlines, this mailing of your second regular semi-annual dividend of the year also marks the approaching completion by your company of its first 25 years of service. Within a few weeks, Eastern Airlines will begin a new year and its second quarter century of service to the American people and to our government. Behind us now are 25 years of rugged pioneering that brought into the world a revolutionary and the most important medium of transportation in the history of mankind. Looking back, we can all be proud of aviation's great record and the part we have played in making it. You, by the investment of your savings and the members of the Eastern Airlines family, by their loyal and unceasing labor, have helped to make this company grow from a shaky adventure in a new and untried field into one of the world's great airlines and one of America's most successful business enterprises. Of all the world's airlines, your company has the unique distinction of being the only organization in the aviation industry with an unbroken record of 18 years of profitable operation, and that this record has been achieved without one cent of subsidy from the taxpayers for the past 18 years is a source of great satisfaction to all of us. Because of our record, Eastern Airlines has won with public confidence. Proof of this is the fact that more people fly Eastern in the territory we serve, the heart of industrial America, than all other airlines combined. This public confidence expressed in terms of patronage has helped us to make and to earn the money which, with your savings, has enabled us to equip Eastern Airlines with the finest, most advanced, and most efficient fleet of aircraft in the United States and to train and equip the most qualified personnel in the industry. We are acknowledging this public confidence in the first institutional advertising campaign Eastern Airlines has ever sponsored. Part of this story is told in the enclosed folder. Through advertisements, 
which you will be reading in your daily newspaper and through other media, more millions of people will be told why they, too, can have confidence in Eastern Airlines and how your company is best equipped to serve their transportation needs. But there's still another expression of that confidence, which you, as a share owner, will particularly appreciate. Over 5,500 of the men and women who by their daily toil have helped Eastern to progress and prosper are now shareholders, share owners of your company. This means that approximately 60% of all Eastern Airline employees own stock in the company for which they work. To me, these expressions of public and employee confidence are indeed inspiring. With such united support, such united devotion to the progress of Eastern Airlines, I feel that all of us can look forward to an even more successful, more prosperous Eastern Airlines in the years that lie ahead. My best wishes to you and your family for the a happy, happy holiday season. Signed, Eddie Rickenbacker, E.V. Rickenbacker, President and General Manager. Wow, Captain and, Eddie could and, always present in his letters and speeches his deep faith in the employees and the success they would contribute to making Eastern Airlines the extraordinary company that it was. How fortunate some of us were. I wasn't one who was fortunate enough to have uh, worked at Eastern when Captain Eddie was running it, but some of us were very fortunate to have worked under his leadership. Neil? Yeah, very good. Uh, interesting letter, and it was very difficult, as you heard, for me to read it because it was typed, and the type was so faded that uh, even with my glasses, uh, focusing in, trying to focus in on the uh, sentence itself was very difficult. I'm not much of a good reader. However, this one was a little bit harder than I thought it would be. Uh, using, I think he must have uh, had, uh, what was her name? Oh, I can't think of his secretary's name for so many years. But uh, 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 she must have typed it and uh, must have been copied uh, by the printer and sent out to all the employees. But an interesting 25th anniversary letter to the Eastern folks that uh, were company owners through their stock ownership program, they called it then, back in those days. Interesting what will fall out of an old book, isn't it? Have you ever had anything to fall out and, uh, of an old book that you had either checked out at the library or bought uh, anyone? The only thing I ever had fall out of a book was uh, was some money that I hid one time from my wife. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and later on, it, came, it fell out. <laughs> uh, I love it. Why did I not know you were going to say that? <laughs> well, you know, I used to have a hobby of old book collecting, and I still have most of them uh, in my bookcases uh, around my house. And and I uh, used to buy a lot of them up at the uh, the old Brattle bookstore in Boston. Uh, Dorothy, you're familiar with that. I uh, remember that. Yeah. One of the oldest bookstores in, in, in America. And, uh, and I found... Some of the old books that I wrote, I found all sorts of notes. I couldn't even read the way they even wrote uh, their their style of writing back in those days, you know. And uh, it, it's kind of interesting to open an old book up and see what uh, what notes people had written in the margins or, or dedicated the book to. So, yeah, books are fun. They're not too popular anymore because we have all of our books now on the Internet looking Digital. And reading from yeah. a, from a That's screen. How I read you know. every night. Yeah. yeah. But like yeah. you, I love reading books. But you know, uh, going back to Hugh DeBose and uh, the train, it's it's just amazing uh, that uh, the train stopped 
And Pat Prince, I knew, and I used to fly with Pat. As a matter of fact, he was a close nearby neighbor in Atlanta where I lived. And uh, Pat lived in an area called Niski Lake. A lot of pilots lived uh, on that lake. And I lived in Lake Loch Lomond, which was adjacent to it. And uh, But Pat was surely a, his last name, Pat Prince. He was a prince of a, of, of a fellow. He really was. And um, very, very senior. He, I think he was a male pilot, too. But uh, is that versus, uh, is that versus a female pilot? <laughs> <laughs> Very, what do you mean versus you know, a female? I have to, yeah, no, I have to. I have to sign off. Um, I have uh, an appointment, so uh, it was great. Okay. great show. I will uh, so speak with you Monday evening. Okay. Okay, mighty fine, George. Right, Thanks thank so you. much. Yeah. See you Monday, right, thank George. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Yeah. Any other? things happening. I just read that American Airlines sent a letter out to all of its employees. They're going to lay off 20, what, 25,000 people? Hey, Peanut, where'd you come from? It's a a bunch. What? It is a bunch. It is a bunch. (laughs) I've got a caller from area code 615. Who might that be? Hey, we hear someone. Area code 615? Sounds a little young to me. <laughs> Hello? Yes. Yes. Who is Dad? it? Hello, Neil. This is uh, Harry Lindquist. Hey, I, Harry. I uh, was an old, old-time crew scheduler. Just thought I'd listen in today. Harry, I want to copy your name down because I need to be talking with you here in a few weeks. We're going to have a program dedicated to crew scheduling. Right. Oh, okay. And uh, so I I look for you to do all of my research for me. <laughs> In other words, take over the program for us and tell us all about crew sched. I was sweating that out, and I said, i got to find a crew scheduler to tell me how it's done. And some of the stories that you guys had in the uh, uh, – you know, pilots that uh, were not so easy to get along with. Well, there was only a few of those, Dale, only a few. That's being done August 3rd, Harry. Okay. August 3rd. And, Harry, I'm going to put put your number down. I'm going to call you because I want to pick your brain, and and I'm sure you have all sorts of stories that uh, you can share with us, a few of them. And and I have some stories I want to tell about cruise schedulers in Atlanta. Were you ever a cruise scheduler in Atlanta? That's where I was. Okay. Oh, do, I, do you do you remember me, or was I after your time or before? Uh, no, no, absolutely. I remember you, Neil. Uh, dark okay. hair, kind of a yeah. tall guy. Uh, and so, yeah, I, you know, it's, it's uh, funny. I'm uh, 72 years old now, and uh, uh-huh. this was back in the early 70s. But I don't know if re- you remember when you guys would check in at the window, we had your all the crew names on a uh, sheet of green bar, green bar paper, they called it. I remember. And to, the, to, to this day, I remember you guys, and I always – and, and the uh, – Crews were printed with their first and middle initials. I think you were maybe E.A. Holland? Uh, E. Neil Holland, yeah. Everett e. was Holland. my first name, and I never liked to go okay. by Everett. Yeah. 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 But I always recall the names with the with the first two, uh, the first initial, the middle initial, and the last name. But, yeah. Uh, anyway, I'm, and, I'm surprised. Uh, how I remember well, you know, I remember well. guys like you and Bobby Sutton. You remember Bobby Sutton and oh, yeah. Woody. Oh, yeah. Woody, I forgot Woody's last name. And uh, uh, yeah. Woody worked the midnight shift all the time. Yeah, you guys uh, were. You, you guys Woody were Horn. just great. You really were. And uh, uh, oh golly, yeah, we're gonna tell some good stories. I'm sure. I f- I'm looking forward to that. Well, I look forward to uh, participating with that, you know. I, I didn't work there a long time, but a few years. So. Well, uh, 
Where are you now? You're in Tennessee, somewhere up around Nashville? Uh, no, that's my phone number, but I actually live outside of Frederick, Maryland, about 50 miles from Baltimore. Yeah, yeah, I know it well, yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, I'm trying to think of somebody else that, uh, that lived up there. He, he had a Waco also, Mike, and I think I told yeah. to you about him. He lived in Annapolis, and he yeah. owned a restaurant that was really popular restaurant there. Hmm. And um, yeah, I can't think of his name now. But um, at any rate, I'm so glad you called, Harry, and look forward to talking with you here in, in the uh, not too distant future. Here. Okay, sounds good. good is this the first good time to hear you've listened? You guys. Is this the first no, time you've listened to, uh, in on Thursday? No, a couple of weeks ago I was able to. Good, good. Well, uh, Jim Holder is usually with us for the Thursday, and he he was busy writing out a ballot about uh, about folding the retired Eastern Pilots Association organization down, and mm-hmm. uh, so they are about to belly up after 49 years. They couldn't make it to 50. Wow. And wow. so um, he, he and Jerry are drafting a resolution, I think, to well, uh, fold. Uh, this week alone, uh, we've had two or three deaths that he's notified yeah. us of. That's right. That's right. So, you know, with the, lo- the loss of so many Reaper pilots, uh, you know, it's sad. Uh, he's Neil, there. Uh, yeah, Don. It looked like... Uh, American Airlines and JetBlue are going to be working together, not a merger, but just uh, with routes and uh, fares and stuff like that. Just saw it on email a little while ago. Okay. All right. They said that they were uh, going to be restricting European travel from the United States. I'm not really sure how that's going to work because I just got a – email on the New Eastern, and um, they're advertising that if you want to go to from Cabo through New York on August 29th through November, that you can go for $200 round trip, and your wow. equipment goes Man, free. Yes, and your equipment goes free. John said there's a lot of people that go down there uh, there's a lot of train. There's a lot of sports training. Yeah, and, and this is from New York. This is from New York City. Yes, yeah. JFK. Yeah. Wow. They usually have a lot of equipment they carry with them. Man, As that's pretty cheap. Yeah, uh, Mark may know more about it and give us an update on Monday. Mike, you ought to buy but. a ticket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did. I did enough flying around. I'm I'm happy just sitting around. <laughs> I was used to look seeing all the hotels and all the airports all look the same all over the world. <laughs> yeah. Well, you ought to write a book, Mike. Yeah, I've been told that, but uh, you know, it's the old story. Us pilots, they they usually wouldn't believe it anyway. You know, I like. I I'm I'm I can't wait to hear some stories by Harry about what. What goes on behind up there in crew scheduling, and uh, you ought to be in system control. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, every every department's got a got their own war stories, and that's yeah. the way it's yeah. always been, you know. Little soap operas, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I, I, wish, I wish we could get some uh, customer service agents uh, from airports, from yeah. uh, the gates yeah. at the counter. Uh, to do a show, I, I can't find anybody that uh, that I remember that would do that. And uh, there there are things that go on at an airport that and you guys know. A lot of the public doesn't know what goes on, but yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I had a friend of mine that was a ticket agent at Kennedy, and then he eventually went over and he was in dispatch for a while. And uh, some of you guys might that? have, uh, if you went through Kennedy, uh, Bill Murphy was his name. He had one leg. Uh, 
I know. I remember Bill. He was in system control in Miami. Yes, he was in Miami for quite a while. Yeah, that's right. He, yes, had, he, he had moved down there. I, I, he was he was my yes. partner. He was a partner in my Cessna when I had it for a while. I had to teach him how to fly with one, and he only had one leg. And I had to teach him how to get his license back, and that was very interesting. But uh, he's got a lot of interesting stories about uh, right. about uh, things that, that he could do. I don't know if he wants to come on the show and and share any of that stuff because he's uh, not oh, doing real well right now. But yeah. I wish you knew how to get in touch with him. Oh, I, I can get a hold of him and I can ask him if he would uh, like to do that. Sure. It's, uh, do so. He always like, he used to always uh, remind me of the. Uh, they used to have a little email that was going around about uh, you know, an irate passenger that was uh, trying to show off how uh, how important he was because he he was talking to the to the gate agent about uh, getting into first class or getting in a, the proper seat that he wanted and uh, and and they he, it was not available that day and uh, basically came across with uh, telling the the agent that. Uh, it, it, like kind of pounding on his chest saying, do you know who I am? And the agent had just about had enough at that time. And then she got on the PA system and it says, attention, everybody, we have somebody up here at the desk that doesn't know who he is. Does anybody know? You know, there was a story about Captain Eddie and the flight attendant flight attendant was uh, on a trip and she had been given a real hard time by this commuter businessman and every time as she had him on the trip he would give her a hard time and say how stinking eastern was how rotten it was and baggage lost and you know the thing that they always make excuses and eddie rickenbacker was on that trip i did the story i think on the radio show and yeah, Eddie Rickenbacker was was on the show, and and boy did he defend that flight attendant, and pretty much almost kicked the guy off the airplane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was good yeah. though. Yeah. Well. Is that Chuck we, on the line now? Uh, no, Neil? Chuck's not here with us today. I don't know what happened it's to him. Because but, he, uh, he called while we were on here, I saw the number flash up. No, he's, he's not been on my. <laughs> hey, Neil, George, I've got hot dates today. Go ahead, uh, Howard. Neil, this is Harry. Uh, Harry. I've got to run, but but uh, feel free to call me. Okay, I got your number. I'll give you a call. Thanks so much, Harry. Uh, okay, bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. That's going to be a good show, Neil. I think it will be too. Yeah. Yes, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Saved by crew scheduling. <laughs> <laughs> and what the. Uh, and what was, was his name again? I'll, I'll, I'll mention the guy I was Eric, talking about. Harry Lindquist. Uh, Lindquist, yeah. I don't know how to spell Lindquist, but uh, Harry Lindquist. So I look forward to that. Yeah. All right. Very good. I'll have to mention it to this Bill Murphy, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Well, I think that pretty much concludes our show for today. And, Dorothy, you want to. Fill us in about Monday night. Okay, Monday night we're going to have a, a, a very funny show. Neil, I hope you're doing your your work there <laughs> and getting us all ready for a little humor goes a long way, and that's airline humor, so it ought to be really cute. And followed by the dance music of the bands in the 60s. And then we're going to have that program, like I said, August 3rd for uh, the E-L- EAL history of the crew scheduling, um, and followed by another music dance music of the 70s. So that's going to be very interesting as well. So we have quite a few coming up. So be sure to check the uh, website. They're listed on there every week, and of course we do send out the e-blast every single Wednesday afternoon. Back to you, Neil. Okay, Don, how about finishing us up? I sure will. It's been a great show. Uh, I can hear our sign-off music playing in the background, so we'll see you again next week, same time, when we continue our trip through the pages of the repartee, the magazine of the retired Eastern 
Pilots Association. And don't forget the EAL Radio Show Monday and evening at 7 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time when we bring you Eastern Laughter. It was a time for a little humor as we go through a rough patch of air. By the way, if you haven't visited our, excuse me, our website, our website, which is www.ealradioshow.com, you'll find many more great Eastern stories and memories. So it's time to say goodbye. So, so long, Eastern, and so long to our Eastern family. We love you, Eastern. Love you, Eastern. Love you, Eastern. Love Eastern. Thanks so much. Thank you a lot. Enjoyed Appreciate it. Very much. Right. Good, Good job, Neil. All right. See you, see you Monday. Everyone. All right. Shining in the sunlight. Roaring Headed somewhere in flight. They're taking you away. Leaving me lonely Silver wings Slowly fading out of sight Taking you away and leaving me lonely. Silver wings slowly fading out of sight. Slowly fading out of sight. See you guys. Okay, see you at the gate.